We make all kinds of connections, from our neighbors to our co-workers, from family members to people we interact with in business every day. What about the connections we make to ourselves? Today, we'll explore the connections that we make and how they define our lives. This is Things Worth Considering with hosts Gord Riddell and Alexia Georgiousis. It's time to consider the possibilities. Good evening and welcome to Things Worth Considering. We're a weekly talk show and we like to present you with ideas to ponder, think about, maybe disagree with, but definitely things that are worth considering. I'm your host, Gord Riddell, and I am here with my co-host, our very knowledgeable naturopathic doctor, Dr. Alexia Georgiousis. Hi. Hello, Gord. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Good. I'm good. Hey, it's nice weather. It's sunny. It's beautiful. It's beautiful weather. Um, After all that terrible weather, being shut-ins as we are. uh, uh, So everyone knows that we are live. If you would like to join our conversation, you can be in touch with us toll-free. Uh, from anywhere in North America at 1-888-346-9141. And we are here. So this evening, we have uh, an interesting uh, conversation to have. Um, As you know, this show is all about connections. And this is about when people connect to those that are no longer on the planet. In other words, they've died, they have passed away, and there is some sort of a spiritual connection being made. And that's a fascinating area. So I'm uh, introducing you to uh, Mr. Sebastian Glass, and we'll talk to him in just a moment. Um, you know, uh, spiritual visitations is, is you know, deemed to be the perception that something or someone is attempting to communicate with you from beyond what we would call sort of a normal physical world. Um, there are those who claim to have seen apparitions of otherworldly nature, uh, while others have perceived clear and very distinct voices that seem to come from nowhere in particular, but is very clear. Um, well, such a, uh, encounters in our waking life can be very perplexing. They're also very powerfully, uh, very powerful when we look into our dream states and have that happen. That would be very unnerving. I agree. Uh, so we are, uh, tonight, let me, uh, introduce you to a gentleman. He's not a gentleman. He's a good friend. Uh, he's been on the show before. He's a spiritual director and he is a Reiki master. Um, he's a graduate. He has a graduate background in philosophy and theology. Um, Sebastian's moved to, uh, help people in this way to help them to relate to their own physical, emotional, and spiritual uh, energies and how that's taking place and how they uh, they interact with others, uh, people, energies as well. Um, that's the part that people forget about, isn't it? Uh, um, why people are acting the way they are because they're reacting to our energy. He's especially interested in uh, the denial and fear that so many people exhibit when faced with a spiritual visitation and the loss of the possible wisdom uh, that comes through such an interaction. Sebastian shares his abilities and his interests uh, by teaching others uh, to explore their own abilities through courses in psycho-spiritual development. He is currently a faculty instructor, and he works as an admin support at the Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic, training in Toronto, Canada. Welcome, sir. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much, Gord. You're welcome. So, where to start? Where do we start with you? What is a spiritual visitation? It's not so easy to answer that question um, because of the nature of the experience that people have. 
Um, but if I could reduce it and make it simple, it would be the sense that you are in the presence of something that's distinctly other, that overlays the environment in some way, that doesn't have a kind of organic quality to it. And there's an identity or a sense of person there. And it's, it's uh, provocative. Um, uh, it's also very easy to dismiss. And I think that happens a lot. That's in a nutshell how I would describe it. Right, right, right. It, yeah, easy to dismiss it. Well, sometimes not necessarily. Sometimes it can be pretty powerful. Mm. I mean, our fear, our, our fear and denial, which you I just talked about there, is so huge in that area. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, people people are either fascinated by it, but I think fear fascinates us sometimes. Like oh, things sure. that we're really f scared of. Also, just we have to. Sort of, I need to get more and more and more. You know. Uh, so, how did you get attracted to working? with the idea, working even working with or helping people with visitations? Well, I stumbled into it actually as part of my own personal journey. Um, when I came to the college, I had uh, been studying psychotherapy elsewhere and I decided that transformational arts was a better fit for me simply because it allowed me to take this relegated and compartmentalized capacity that I'd had since I was very young and bring it into integrate it, as it were, into the whole of me and see that it had value, that there was a relationship, a healthy relationship that could be struck between my intellectual life, my emotional life, and bringing it all together. I was ready for that. Transformational arts allowed me to embrace that. I was quite resistant at first, um, but here we are uh, five years later, and uh, it's now <laughs> part of what I do and how I live, but it always had been, you know. Well, Sebastian, words. I have a I have a question about that too because the resistance aspect still exists, and sure. even even the word spirit or spirituality, a lot of people still have incredible fear, as Gord was saying earlier, and also a sense of distrust. Mm. So, what's how have you been able to work with that sense of being able to listen and also trust whatever message might be there? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to be candid. My early life experiences were a bit chaotic and not at all supported. And I was raised in a very strict religious environment, which exacerbated the, the situation. So I er, early on in my adolescence came to be very afraid of the experiences. And mm -hmm. the narrative that was um, on offer regarding them, because I went to my parents and I went to my pastor, um, the way it was presented didn't um, instill any sort of confidence that there could be any good here. Um, and yet my hunger for deeper connection with, with spirit, with God, um, my religious impulse has always been very strong, um, kept me searching. And what I found was that while in the naivety of my, my young life, I was quite um, excited by the thrill of things that could be spooky and dark um, I found that there's a lot of good that could come out of those experiences as well. But it took me many years to get there. Hmm. And then also at, at uh, TAC, we'll call it TAC for short, if you don't mind. Um, yeah. While working with people there, I started to appreciate that when messaging or um, uh, visitations would occur within a therapeutic setting, within the context of spiritual direction um, 
most importantly, I was being offered insight that could be very helpful and very instrumental to a person's progress. So figuring out the balance has taken a long time and I still work at it. It's not natural. There are still, there's still a lot of discernment that has to come in. And when I work with people, I encourage the same from them. Yeah. Right, right. Okay. And, and how is, you know, the idea of, of when you're working with a client and let's say you're, you're sensing, you know, something that's other. Mm-hmm. And would you say that, and Gord, you can also uh, uh, answer this too, but, but uh, Sebastian, I'd like to know from your experience, how does that differ from intuition? Well, I, I think that's a terrific question because it's not so easy to distinguish the difference because the intuitive sense, the intuitive capacity is a means by which spiritual communication comes. In fact, that's what I was referring to when we opened, um, when I said to Gord that it's easy to dismiss. For example, there's a notion, I I remember talking to one uh, fellow student at TAC who lamented that she didn't really have any explicitly obvious spiritual experiences. And my my intuitive hit during that conversation was look more closely to the felt sense. You may be receiving and not aware of it. So she did. She she went away and took some time and came back and had this awareness that through her physical senses, she was getting information, but she was so close to it. It had been been this ongoing habitual way of moving through the world that she wasn't even aware that information was streaming through. Um, that can be how easy it is. And then you start turning up the volume a little bit and listening more explicitly to the messaging. And that can be very helpful. Right, right. Okay, that's, that's a great answer because I often feel that that is the piece where no matter what you are calling this, that it, it, it is a shift in terms of how we are relating in the world to ourselves and the energies around us. Mm-hmm. And we just, we really haven't had a, a culture that supports that for many, many years, right? Like as you were mm-hmm. saying in your childhood. Um, and so right. it's wonderful that TAC, I mean, with Transformation Arts College and the, the, the fact that this was established 32 years ago, I think it was 32 years, but it's, it's really seeing that now more and more people are interested and saying, hey, there's something here. Mm-hmm. So, and how has this helped your life? That's the other question. How do you feel it has helped you? Well, it's helped me redefine um, a rather scattered spirituality. For example, mm. I have a strong religious impulse. I um, Yeah, what do you that. mean by that? What do you mean by that? A religious impulse? Well, I was expression. raised in the uh, the Christian church. So I started off evangelical. So it was all about um, community around the word of the sacred texts. Um, but as an adult, I converted to Catholicism. I felt it was a much more comfortable fit because of the mystical aspects Um, having the saints, having the angels, um, all of that spoke my language. It was really comfortable. And so that's been very operative. And I've learned to balance that with my spiritual journey where I actually do experience um, information coming through in explicitly uh, spiritual form. That is to say presences that appear and speak. And um, but also those strong, powerful intuitions that come through, which are very helpful. And I find that holding those together, I learned to do that at TAC in the spiritual direction program in particular. I that was 
so helpful to me by encouraging me just embrace the gamut of your experiences and bring it closer together so that it all makes sense. No longer compartmentalizing this part and that part, just holding it all together. And eventually the integrations struck. Yeah. yeah. It's the analyzing of all that. Mm. Uh, that just keeps you away from it. <laughs> True enough. Right? I mean, the, you know, it's wonderful that we're intellectual, but at the same time, intellectual, uh, you know, really distances us from our experience. And spirituality is not something that can be defined. It's not an intellectual experience or an intellectual pursuit. It truly is an experience. Mm. It is a sentient body, emotional, you know, all of those play out. I, you know, we're very hard pressed to say, well, describe that spirit, you know, that spiritual experience. How do you know that's a spiritual experience? We just know, mm. but it's, it's, it lacks in words, definitely. Mm -hmm. I love that. And I'll tell you why, because this is what I came to understand um, through uh, working at the college uh, in the various programs. I was, I like to say, I was a recovering academic. So I spent, <laughs> I spent eight years. That's a good one. That's great. The, it's quite true. Eight years in the academy had really um, got me into my head and I couldn't step out of it. Mm -hmm. And when I first started doing the total self um, courses at Transformational Arts, I was really resistant because I didn't know how to step out of the intellect and into my felt sense. I was afraid of my felt right. sense. I was afraid of all that information because I couldn't adequately articulate it. I couldn't give a thorough theoretical explanation about what's happening and therefore the safety net I had was to discount it uh, or to go read some psychiatric journal <laughs> that would, right. would justify it in some way that made me feel safe in some ways I have to say. Sure. And yet the adventure was coming home into the body and then learning how to use my intellect such that I could give uh, a broader perspective of it and communicate that to other people, which has been very helpful to, to learn to do. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a wonderful way to describe it because it's the idea of becoming very whole. Mm. And also we know that intellect is not the same as wisdom. Oh, so true. You know, and information <laughs> is not wisdom. It's, 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 it is a complete disconnect from that you know you can you can override things it's like that saying of you know do the right thing versus do things right mm -hmm. you know and and there's a there's a huge difference there but the fact that you've been able to bring this aspect of yourself that you've had since you were a child mm -hmm. and then choose to deepen it in a way that allowed you know some structure but also to help you and then to help other people that you're working with I think is great Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, just the facilitation of whatever therapies you did and, and your own intellect in this case as to being able to connect to yourself. Mm -hmm. You can't connect out there. You can't connect to spirit. Very hard to connect to other people if you have a total disconnect to yourself. Sure. You know, and unfortunately, our society has really moved very much towards, you know, applauding the intellect. They don't want to know what you feel. They want mm -hmm. to know what you think. Mm -hmm. right. And it's like, well, I'm really not thinking about this, but it feels like crap. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like that will be invalidated. And yet that it feels like crap is probably a more important statement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, the, and the measure of authority. And, and you know, I think, um, Sebastian, I have a, a few questions for you, but I know that we're going to be coming close to a break. So the, the, this part of you now, how has it been for your family? To be honest, I am reluctant to share a lot of it 
with my family because I think expecting them to embrace something that they're they've learned or been conditioned to be to hold suspect is, is asking a bit too much. So as you mature, perhaps you've learned this, I, I certainly have, I've had to renegotiate what my relationships with my family look like. Um, yeah. I, when I was younger, I perhaps expected too much, you know, that they would always sign on to everything that I believed, every pursuit I had, they would be able to embrace and understand. That's just asking too much, I think. Um, so learning how to give them their space while not diminishing the fact that I need mine as well has taken years to figure out, but I have found a sweet spot now. So I don't mm. talk too much to my evangelist father about these things <laughs> right. because uh, he, his lens would problematize it unnecessarily mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned. Right. right. If not pathological. It, you know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's a... Uh, I think everyone has some sort of a place where we need to negotiate that, you know, and, and that's, I think the child part of us, it's consistently wants to like reveal all well to our parents. And it's like, you know, and we have an expectation that they're going to understand or embrace. And they're like going, what is he talking about? You know, uh, we have to give them, we've been off studying. And then we come back mm. and like, guess what I found? The yes. Vatican, you know? Um, it's kind of a big jump from, you know, where they are. Anyways, we're going to take a big jump here and go into commercial. We'll be back in two minutes. You're listening to Things Worth Considering with our guest, Mr. Sebastian Glass. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories. It is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. It's time to serve, learn, change the world. Tune in each week for The Power of Young People to Change the World, hosted by NYLC's CEO, Amy Muirs. The program is a forum for both young people and the adults who love and support them. We make connections with others through stories of change, partnership, and new perspectives of issues facing the world today. Be sure to join us every Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time or anytime on demand on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Riddell and Alexia Georgiusis. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca. That's info at spiritgrows.ca. Now back to Things Worth Considering. 
Hi, and welcome back. Um, this is Gordon Dell, and you're here with Alexia Georgiousis and Sebastian Glass. Um, why do you think Spirit would want to be in touch with us? Kind of like mm-hmm. they just left, and now here they are back again. It's kind of like your in-laws. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> well, it's, it's a difficult question to answer because I think the answers can be manifold. Of course. And it... Perhaps if we take one lens, the lens that I prefer, I think it's the preferred lens, in that the spirit world, generally speaking, is still participating in our lives. And ideally, particularly if there's an intimate bond between you and someone who's departed, the facilitation of your well-being and helping you move forward through processing grief as an example or, or struggling through things can be very much of interest to those on what we would call the other side. I like that worldview because it makes the spirit world, generally speaking, beneficent, which I don't think is always the case. But in this particular, um, uh, I'll frame it this way. Um, so it's to help us to support us, to encourage us, to allow us to, to hear and receive messages, information that would move us forward on the path that's best for us. That's how I see it, generally speaking. Okay. So what are some ways that they communicate? Uh, they can communicate through presenting themselves um, visually through the mind's eye, but that's a, a very subset. That's Um, not the typical way. Most people experience messages through dreams. I think that's one of the most um, easy to go to, easy to access, simply because while in the dream state, we are incredibly receptive. That means that all of our, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Strategies to keep us safe are relaxed. It's like going into meditation. Mm -hmm. So everything's kind of easy and we're receptive. And so in that situation, I think, spirit has an opportunity to uh, reach us. and But oftentimes, again, we can easily dismiss a visitation. Yet, when we do so, something niggles away at us in our experience. Something that stands out. That wasn't just a dream. There was too much vividness, for example. There, it felt too real. I woke up with a, a shift in my perceptual or emotional state. Um, and the memory of that particular dream experience can last for years. Mm -hmm. Um, A typical dream doesn't have that impact. And so those moments can be very illuminating. Uh, And you can approach those experiences just as you would approaching a typical dream that's been problematic for some reason. Right. That's That's a great way to describe those experiences. And also, there's a sense of reassurance because, you know, having what you were saying, Sebastian, is that having the intellect to be able to deliver the information and the and the analysis so that it doesn't sound too woo-woo or kooky because sometimes I think that's what happens is people don't have uh, a, a sort of a foundation for this so they they need it to be grounded mm-hmm. and and I think with the aspect of communication with spirit it's like that when you said about dreams and that urge that sometimes it'll be a sense of, I really need to contact this person or mm-hmm. something that come, came up in my dream. And it, it's, it's more than a, a regular dream. And it's, it's definitely seems that everyone is very, very uh, different in their, in how they experience their relationship with uh, spirit. 
Right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, dreams, dreams are one. Uh, you know, some people will, you know, have to get someone on their mind. And they, they just are thinking about them and they're, you know, going over and over and over. And, you know, I just really feel like they're being impressed, you know, and then something will come out of that. They'll feel that otherworldly, you know, sort of experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, the one that we can't put words to very easily. Um, what, about, what about people who hear voices? We talked about seeing that was, you know, clairvoyance is clairaudience. Mm-hmm. This is fascinating. I think hearing voices is so much more common than we think. There are organizations that have banded yes. together simply based on the experience that they hear voices. And I want to emphasize here that, that hearing voices in a non-problematic way. In other words, I don't want to pathologize this. There's a... Mm-hmm. There's, there's a place for that. Though. Yes, there's a place yes, for that. Um, but, One of my areas of interest, actually, ah, is, so, is the whole thing of the psychosis, because I've been very exposed to this area that, you know, they do hear voices. Now, what I've always, you know, tried to work with is, are they in some sort of spiritual awakening? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, even if it's, even if it is drug induced, sure. yes. you know, which is often the case, uh, that it's drug induced and they start to hear voices. So one of the ways that, you know, I really learned other than being able to tune into what's going on is the, the whole thing of when it's a, you know, when it's a pathology, the messages get darker and darker. Yes, they do. Whereas on, on a, a spirit part, for the most part, they actually get lighter and brighter. Hmm. So there's a real, you know, the, 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 the one where it's self-inflicted, basically, pathology, like a psychosis, is often sitting on the edge of being uh, uh, self-hurt, you know, self-harm, mm-hmm. those kinds of things, or harming others, you know. Uh, and it may take a little while for that to come there. Uh, interestingly, it's, which is the word we haven't used yet, is that building of trust. Trusting in yourself that you're having this experience, trust in the experience, trust in what you think is, you know, whoever's bringing the experience to you. Right. So there's a lot of trust involved here. When mm-hmm. you, when you talk about coming out of like a, a family of not having a lot of people, not having like support and so on, mm-hmm. there's not a lot of trust. Trust is very, very difficult. Mm-hmm. Or it, we do the opposite, of course. We trust too much, and they get smacked down as well. So one way or the other, you know. Uh, but trust, trust plays a huge role in our ability to believe mm-hmm. and to take it another step. Mm-hmm. So when we're talking about psychosis, you know, people want to. People are hearing voices. No wonder, you know, we've got these groups because people, you know, if you go into a merchant said, "I'm hearing voices," you know, uh, in my head. Like, where else would you hear them? In your leg? Um, <laughs> you know, I'm hearing voices in my head. They're, they're going to put you into the psychiatric stream. What if we could put them into a spiritual stream? Mm. Yeah. Until we could ascertain exactly what was going mm-hmm. on. Anyways, that's just a, one of those passing fancy, uh, f- uh, passing fancies, you know. Uh, there might be another way to deal with this. Right. Yeah. And Sebastian, for you, with the voices, for example, do you find that, uh, you know, we all have that small little voice mm-hmm. 
you know, I find that, you know, little kind of voice that says something that for me, I always find it's tied to my intuition. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, it can come in different ways. But is, is that what your experience has been around, whether it's for you or other people that, you know, hear these voices and these groups that you're mentioning? Mm-hmm. So for me, fortunately, um, there's a clear distinction between the inner dialogue and the little intuitive voice that I associate with some part of myself and the voice, which has a distinct other quality. It even comes with accents occasionally or Mm. with emotions that are quite different than what I'm experiencing in that moment. Um, But I want to be clear, what I have opted to do, and it's an option, one amongst many, is that I don't engage with them. I'm usually in prayer when I hear voices and they try, I find them distracting. So I edit them out. That's a strategy that I've employed because prayer is really important to me. And I don't like things interfering with that. That includes some of these um, voices that I occasionally hear, which are just, hello, um, talk to me, this kind of thing. I don't pay much attention to that. And that's a choice. And I get to make that choice. And that's been part of my spiritual journey. as Just as in real life, you know, at real concrete physical life, you negotiate your relationships. You decide who do you let in, how much time and energy do you invest in those people or not. It's exactly the same. So when you're walking through a mall, you don't make friends with everyone. Why would you? That right, would be a right, recipe for right. chaos. Right. <laughs> it's like, it's like sort of what Ram Dass would talk about around how when you're in the state of love, like that's the other part that I'm curious about is that when you're in this state of love, the vibrational field of love, that you can sort of be in love with everybody. But then there's that fine line that takes it to a place that maybe there's loss of control mm-hmm. or oh. loss of, I shouldn't even say control, I would say loss of discernment. This is actually a very big, a very big problem in spiritual, with, you know, spiritual circles and groups and so on that yeah. I've observed over years of people get very confused between the spiritual energy that builds in, say, development groups and, and meditation groups and so on, and it becomes sexualized mm-hmm. because we don't know what to do with that higher level of energy. And so, it, because it is loving, it's kind, it's attractive, it's like all kinds of things. And, you know, let's face it, here we are doing these really nice things with these people, you know, mm-hmm. that, you know, is like probably the kind of people who wish we had met and married in the beginning, uh, right, but right. we weren't there. Uh, and and it becomes sexualized. And, and I've seen a lot of marriages blow up as a result of someone going off to a development class. Well, they developed, all right. Um, you know, and, and often the people running the classes aren't aware of what's going on. Right. They're not discerning that energy. Very fine line between spiritual energy and sexualized energy. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And that gets away. I don't know if you were referring to that or not. Uh, well, I, I was. I was, absolutely. Okay. And, and that's what I was curious with, with Sebastian when you were saying you have the clarity of the, and I like that you gave that metaphor around just like going in a shopping mall, you don't engage with everybody. You, and you have to develop that awareness. And, and also, Gord, kind of what you're saying and, and what I was, I guess, alluding to was that when you feel these impulses or urges to take the energy of love or the energy of spirituality and make it more sexualized because that that absolutely has happened in a lot of spiritual groups for sure for sure mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so sebastian if you found, too. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Not not just uh, you know in the past. So, Sebastian, have you found that you know the, whether it's the voices? So, so you do not engage with these voices when they come in with prayer, but do they come in at other times for you? Not so very often, and I think part of that is because the liminal space between the physical concrete here and now and the hyper physical space or the hyper liminal space, the other side, becomes very thin, <laughs> very thin in moments of hyper lucidity, prayer, meditation, but also when I'm working with a client. When I put those hats on, that's where I'm at. But when I leave, the session, when I get up from prayer, I take a very different approach to life. So I'm not as receptive, nor mm -hmm. do I want to be. And I've made a conscious, intentional effort to live that way so that I can sustain my sanity. Um, Absolutely. On occasion, something has punctured through, something has the kind of velocity that, that just hits me hard. Um, and I have to work through that. Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't happen often, thank thank goodness, but it usually really throws me um, because there are powerful energies in the world and occasionally you'll bump into them and they can really slam into you in a surprising way. But normally speaking, no, I, I'm pretty clear. Um, this is my task and it is to write or to meet friends or whatever. And I'm not going to be wearing that particular hat if I can use the metaphor. I think that's a great way to sort of describe intentional living mm. and having uh, clarity of boundary mm -hmm. because I know Gord you've shared with me before that you know it's that sense of people have this this let's say a, a, they hear something or they think oh I have to tell you something and I, I yes. don't always think that that is appropriate and I know Gord you've shared that before that it's just just because someone gets a message mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean to share it so Sebastian right. what have you found around that oh boy the, uh, the temptation, <laughs> the temptation in the beginning to flaunt the skills that you're developing in any uh, domain yes. is very, it's very powerful. And in the spiritual world, it's no less the case. So I remember wanting to do reads and wanting to tap into the subliminal de data in someone's biofield, to use some new agey language. Um, <laughs> and, and yet I would do this at a pub, you know, because it yes. was new to me. It was something I wanted to do. And You'd had a couple of cocktails. You're I, I've had you're a down. couple of brewskis and I was good <laughs> exactly. to go. But what I learned through doing the work is that this is sacred work. Why yes, would I is. be throwing that out? Um, in such a casual, cavalier way, you know, you're tapping into some deep currents in people's lives. And just because you're privy to that, it's not, this is not a circus. It's not a show. I had to grow into that. Um, so, it, for and push example, the ego away. It, it's quite true. For example, there are numerous um, spiritual directees that I work with who ask if I can do readings for them. Mm. And I always decline. That's mm -hmm. not the role I'm here to serve. Right. That's not, and it's not because I don't think I can. It's just, I don't think that that's what this is about. It's not healthy. This is not the life I want to live. I actually did explore at one point, um, working with a medium who I met with several times and in do, working with her very, very briefly, I recognized this is not what I feel called to. And I thanked her and I went on my way. You have to make those calls in your life and figure out, I love the term boundaries. Where do I, in a healthy way, begin and end? Yeah. And, and, yeah. and the aspect of integrity, and I love that you said sacred, 
because oh, yeah. I, it, it really is. It really is something that's very sacred. And it's a complete trespass, energetic trespass. Of that. When I think people step into that place and it, it's just not... It's just not okay, but the awareness has to be there, mm-hmm. right? The awareness. Yeah. And, and that really is up to the teachers to, you know, impart that upon anyone that they work with, is that this is a boundary thing. This is like, you know, walking into their house, opening the door and saying, ta-da, you know, I'm here, and you weren't invited in. But yet, we're going to say, so then I saw the red sofa, I saw the blue ceiling, I, you know, and, and we just think that's... Somebody who did that was like really quite insane. Mm-hmm. But yet people feel that because spirit is, is guiding them, you know, mm-hmm. that they have that right. And we don't have the right. We don't have the right to go in anybody's space, energetically, physically, emotionally, without an invitation. Mm-hmm. I love that example. And if I may, I would use that metaphor. I would flip it on its head, though. Um, but I'd use that with students and with directees who want to explore the spiritual world. And I would use the same example. If someone came to your door, do you have to open the door? Mm -hmm. Do you have to invite them in? Right. Do you, you know, you just wouldn't do that indiscriminately. And if your uh, social relationships, your familiar relationships are overly porous, where there's poor boundaries, I guarantee you that's going to play out in your spiritual involvement. It will, there's a direct correlate. So I remind people, if this is a domain that's of interest to you, you have to know yourself well. And you do that by looking at the relationships that you invest in all the time. Are they helpful? Are they healthy? Are they good? Are you good for others? Are they good for you? Can you distinguish between the two? If you can't, you are asking for trouble in venturing into engaging your spiritual life. I think mm. you need to do the work on both sides of that simultaneously at best. Yeah. I think there's also another correlate, and that is the role that alcohol can play. Oh. Alcohol and boundaries. Those are, those are door openers that people didn't see coming. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Mm-hmm. On that note, I'm going to tell you what's coming, and that is a commercial. And we will be back in two minutes. You're listening to Things Worth Considering. America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Imagine a place where ancient wisdom and modern research combine to create a non-judgmental, dynamic educational environment. We believe learning is much more than just theories. It is the application of those theories that anchor your learning deep inside yourself. Our physical, emotional, intellectual, and spiritual selves are embraced and nurtured, learning how to create an internal balance. This is Transformational Arts College of Spiritual and Holistic Training. Since 1988, we continue our mission of spiritually focused education for all who seek. We offer integrative personal development and professional training in spiritual psychotherapy, holistic health care, spiritual director, coaching, and esoteric studies. We are located in Lawrence Park in Toronto on Young Street, north of Lawrence Avenue. 
It's easy to get to and harder to leave. Visit our website at transformationalarts.com or inquire at TAC at transformationalarts.com or call us toll free at 1-888-TAC-SELF. Transformational Arts, bringing body, mind, and spirit together. Unravel the mysteries of metaphysics every week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Join host Barb Crowley as she and her insightful guest share what's been learned behind the veil, going just beyond our five senses. Now you can see things with an entirely different point of view. Tune in for Metaphysics, A View Through the Veil, broadcasting live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Use it to explore your advantage and deeper understanding. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Things Worth Considering with Gord Riddell and Alexia Georgiusis. We'd love to hear from you via email to info at spiritgrows.ca That's info at spiritgrows.ca now back to Things Worth Considering. Hi, welcome back. We're here with Sebastian Glass, and we're talking about basically spirit communication without it being directly. It's more of it happening. There's a bit of spontaneity to it. Um, uh, it can be developed, obviously. Uh, talk to me about your what do you know about um, end-of-life as, as people who are very close to actually dying, mm. or they're in the dying process, but very close to death, um, there's often a, a, quite an interesting period of experiences that can happen there. If, and if you are blessed enough to be there, it's awesome. Uh, as long as it's open heart and no judgment, accept the experience, you know? That's, yeah. that's sort of, that's my, my, would be my preamble on that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is very well documented, and in the world of end-of-life care at hospices and, and um, PCUs, they recognize that it's very common, doctors and nurses there, uh, it's very common to see this experience of being visited as the person approaches death. And usually it's an indicator of the imminence of death. Yes. So the closer a person gets to that, that core threshold, um, the more likely it is to occur. Now, while studies are, are pretty clear, um, only about 10% of people who die have been studied because they have this, um, those, that 10% tend to be lucid enough at the point of death to be able to communicate. But within that significant percentage of 10%, 50 to 60% of people do experience some sort of visitation. It's very common and uh, very often, when a loved one is involved in this and they, and they are concerned, they're encouraged just to allow it to play out, as you were saying, Gord. Um, oh, yeah. This is part of the process. Don't push back. Mm-hmm. You might have your skepticism and your doubts. I, I can fully appreciate that. It's sometimes a place you need to be, even a safe place to be. But this is very common. Nothing to be concerned about at all. You know, the statistics of, of uh, you know, who believes in life beyond death, you know, beyond the death moment is, I mean, it's a growing number. It's, it's definitely has gone up from 2005 to, there was a big study in 2009 and 
2016, I think was the next one. But mm-hmm. each one, those numbers keep going up, and and they're not even sure what that means. They're they're not they're not saying, oh yeah, there's a heaven. In other words, it's not within a Christian right. concept. Yes. It's it's just within a energetically something continues on. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's almost like a an embrace of science to within the spiritual understanding. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have I have had a lot of experience, and one of the things when people say, "Well, it's their subconscious is just you know their brain is fizzling out now on the way out," is that all of my experiences, and, and I'll, I'll deal with my close my personal ones, and that would be my grandparents and, and a, a very close friend, the people that they were speaking to, you know, their eyes are closed, they're basically not even present, uh, had passed away. Okay, so when, for instance, my grandmother, um, who was probably the first one, my my dad's mom, uh, she she wasn't a, a minister or anything like my other grandmother, um, and she she would go out and she'd be talking to my grandfather who was well gone uh, to the next world, uh, and her brother and her sister and all kinds of stuff. Now, what's interesting here though, in is. If this was a firing off of the subconscious of the brain emptying out, why didn't you ever mention her sons? Both her sons were on the planet. That's why. Hmm. And and so, you know, and I saw this over and over and over again in in this work is seeing people um, uh, like I believe they're actually seeing them. They're communicating with them, but they're people who are already over there. Mm -hmm. All right. Mm -hmm. Because if, if you were emptying out your brain, then why wouldn't you want to you'd be talking about your sons or your sure. daughters or whatever? But that, that doesn't happen. It's, it's quite true. And studies are, are pretty clear about that. So it's, it's compelling. How does, the brain, compelling. how does the brain know um, who's crossed over? In some cases, the visitation is of people that the person dying isn't even aware have died themselves. Um, so yeah, yeah. That, how does that happen? Um, yeah. Very compelling. It was, you know, in all of these instances, when they when they sort of disconnected from that spirit connection, hmm. and then they looked at me and they jump. Well, that's understandable, I guess. But, uh, you know, they'd be like, whoa, yeah, they were back in another dimension. They were in their yeah. physical body. And so they're, it's a, I really believe it's a preparation time. I do mm. believe that there are people there. Uh, and, you know, I, I think our religion also can play a role as to what we might believe. Sure. happens afterwards uh but importantly there are you know that whole idea of the light is there and there's a preparation they're going in and they're going out they're getting ready to let go of that physical body yeah and would you say sebastian this is also related to sort of the thinning of the the yeah. veil yeah. so to speak and and uh you know the other part of this question that i want to ask is in terms of what you your own opinion about the pandemic, about what the future holds for our awareness of impermanence Mm -hmm. and, you know, connecting and relating to spiritual experiences. Can you comment on any of that? Boy, that's a hot button issue right there, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah. Um, I, I think you're on to something there. I've not given this any thought within this context, so so forgive me. But I, I think there's an insight there that you've just articulated that, that's interesting to me in that so many people have died 
so unnecessarily and so suddenly. And it's the ripple effect is just, it's astronomical. And it really begs a lot of questions. And it's perhaps bringing us collectively closer to those existential questions that we tend to bat aside in a way that only a pandemic can. What is there? What's it all for? What's the meaning of life? Um, is my loved one truly gone forever? Is there any way of bridging that gap? Um, yeah, I, I haven't given it any more thought than right here, right now. Um, no, don't worry. And I, because I, I feel that a lot of this is, and especially the, the um, work that you do, is really all, and what Gord's done as well, you too, Gord, around really helping people work with impermanence mm -hmm. and, and yeah. mortality. Mm -hmm. Because this is, honestly, the fear is rooted in our fear of dying. And if there's not a true death per se, mm -hmm. then it is that reassurance that, oh, there is something here. Mm -hmm. There's something about that that I think is worth highlighting. I think... In the past 60 years, the phenomena of near-death experiences, which have yeah. now become shared death experiences, the phenomena at um, deathbed uh, visitations, which are sometimes witnessed by people who are present and not dying, those kinds of experiences, emphasis here, are changing our perceptions about things. Because while they're still difficult to grasp, science is taking them seriously. By contrast, religious truths have been handed down and have been very theorized and theologized and philosophized. They have an abstractness to them that people feel disconnected from. And the, the allure is fading. But people are much more interested in the experience. Now, while there still may be fear and lots of it, People are more interested in looking towards the experience a person is having, perhaps in a visitation dream, perhaps at um, a, a deathbed visitation, perhaps in some of these paranormal experiences that people are chasing uh, and, and trying to document um, and that science is trying its very best to study. I think it's the world of experience. Now, while there may be a bedrock of experience informing or underwriting religions themselves, something of that gets lost as it's handed down little by little, particularly if it's codified such that my experience ought to look like mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. And then I'm now forcing myself into an experience which may be very foreign, difficult, strange, or even impossible. And I think there's an alienating quality to that. And we live in an age now, and I think it's rightly called the new age, and I mean that quite seriously, where the world of collective experiences is gathering itself together. And we're all in this, and we can ask different kinds of questions, because we're moving towards the same goal, truth. We're still governed by this sense that things are beneficent for most of us. Uh, we see it that way, that love is truly the ultimate pursuit. How do we get there? We don't know. Um, but I think the appeal of spirituality over religion is part and parcel of people trying to shed the shackles of codified belief systems that really were intended and still do. I'm still Catholic, don't get me wrong, and I still love what the Catholic Church offers me, but I do recognize when the church cannot take me any further in some of my experiences. It just right. kind of leaves me there, and I have to t dare to take another step 
in, in a direction and trust that God is leading my, my path. Um, perhaps I said too much, forgive me. No, 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 of no, course not. Not There's at no all. There's no saying too much. This is about how we connect. Uh, now you're doing a workshop next week. I am. You um, are. Yes. You're the first of our guests who are doing workshops every Wednesday at Transformational Arts. Um, so people, people can uh, uh, book to come to this, uh, come to this meeting over Zoom uh, through transformationalarts.ca. We are still uh, virtual, unfortunately. Uh, one of these days, we will all gather together in one big classroom um, <laughs> and go, I don't recognize them because they don't have a mask on. Um, <laughs> we only know each other's eyes now. And that's true. interesting. Right. So transformationalarts.ca. Go to that website and you'll be guided towards uh, uh, Sebastian. So are you going to be covering this stuff? I will be. I'll be looking at the different forms of visitations in a bit more detail. I'll be looking also at the way people experience. My goal yeah. here, the goal here is A, of course, to talk about the kinds of experiences that are quite legitimate and well-studied, but also to invite people to take seriously the way in which spiritual experiences are coming to them and how they can fine-tune that, how they can exercise discernment, because make no mistake, it's not something you want to play with lightly. You want to understand things. You want to be grounded, as Alexia was saying earlier. Right. You, you need support um, and some good self-awareness, um, but it's a very rich and rewarding uh, arena to, yeah. to dabble in, provided you do it with some um, good common sense. Yeah, right. I think that sounds wonderful. The integrity and and with that sense of uh, you know going returning to source mm -hmm. because yeah, the external that. world is constantly but you also, know, chaotic. Also, as we know. I think I think you're you're also including in that though how our perception of what we think it should be yes. can absolutely interfere if not mm -hmm. cut off mm -hmm. some sort of communication mm -hmm. or we we misconstrue it. <laughs> yes. So, so many times the spiritual encounter is obscured or colored by our belief systems, of yep. which we all have. And that can really be an impediment to the wisdom that could potentially be on offer. And that's really something I want to address. And that, again, takes some self-awareness. What are your beliefs about death? loss, the spirit world, life after death, all those yep. questions. And can you dare to challenge them enough that you can be curious about other possibilities? So if you Sounds want to great. study Sounds with this great. man, transformationalarts.ca, mm -hmm. and you'll be able to do a Zoom uh, uh, next week on uh, uh, things worth considering. We will have Linda Kushner. She is a spiritual director also, and she's an energy worker. And she's going to be doing and talking about the seven rays of power. Mm. That should be quite fascinating. So that's next week. That's it. So this is Gordon Dell and Alexia Georgiousis here at Things Worth Considering. And have a great and a healthy week. And we will be back here next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Have Good a night, week. everyone. Good night. for tuning into Things Worth Considering. Please join your hosts, Alexia Georgiousis and Gord Riddell for another edition next Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, think about the connections in your life and how they define who you are. 